What I want all of you to do is turn to page 7 in your workbooks and get your Bibles ready. Okay. Debbie, you had a question? Um, maybe afterwards. Yeah. Okay. So page seven, we are going to look over question number two. And what I want everyone to do is to take a scripture. We'll start with Debbie takes a, and then work our way across. And everyone takes the subsequent, subsequent letter and scripture that goes with it and look it up right now. Does that make sense? So, Amber, you would be letter F. (laughs) I said we were starting with Debbie. Sorry, Charlie. Well, good thing this is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace, so maybe you will find it in the midst of being letter F. (laughs) Okay, does everyone have their first scripture? You may have two. Um, everybody found? All right. We will start with Debbie. This is question number two, letter A. This is 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. Go ahead and read it. Okay. So what the point of these scriptures are in this workbook is to say what each scripture is in referencing peace. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and read um, letter B. Ephesians 2, 14 through 17. Amen. That's good stuff right there. Okay, letter C is Isaiah 9, verse 6. Okay, and letter D, 1 Corinthians 14, 33. Okay, and letter E, Colossians 3, 15. Okay, and letter F, there's two verses there, John 14, 27, and Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Okay, and let's go back starting with Debbie, Psalm 119, 165. And letter H, Isaiah 26.3. And letter I, we have Galatians 5.22 and 23 and John 15.1 through 8. Okay. 
Okay, and letter J, Matthew 5, 9. Okay. Um, did anyone see an overlying theme throughout these verses? No, not talking about that. That's a given. You sneaky sneaker. <laughs> Anybody? Okay. Uh, no. Okay. We'll just get into this right now. It's great, though. That's good. And none of these answers are wrong. I'm not saying they're wrong, but um, I believe in not just specific ways, but also in spirit what Jehovah Shalom represents, or not what it represents, where it exists, okay? Where the Lord is, our peace, exists in union and oneness with him, okay? Um, like in Ephesians where it says it, it has made us one, like Josiah was saying, I love those uh, scriptures. It's slain the enmity and, and made us one, um, there's talk of government, and when you have a government and a rule, then there is something that is connecting you, okay? It's, you're not independent any longer. You have been joined unto something, and you are a part of something. Um, like in Colossians, where it says that we have been made one body um, because he is ruling our hearts. Um, let's see here. What else? In Psalm 119, you know, it was saying, as we love his law, that, again, is implying government and jointedness, okay? Um, if you're keeping your mind on him, he is keeping you in perfect peace. Uh, John 15, abide in him. You will have peace. And um, let's see here. Matthew 5, the Blessed are the peacemakers. They are the sons of God. There is a relationship there. There is a union there. There is a oneness there. It's uh, family there, okay? Um, all of these things exist. True peace, should I say, exists in a oneness with him. He's not just a peace giver, okay? Um, and a lot of times that's how... The world views things, even Christianity views things, as he is a peace giver, not peace. Okay? Um, and again, remember, when we started this a whole semester ago, the point of this wasn't just to study, oh, this name of God means this, and here's a few verses that go along with it, and then you can spout it out. The point of us being here today is that we can know him in a right and more full way. So to know him in a right, in a correct and more full way, we need to know him who is peace, thereby being our peace. And we need to understand that he is absolutely not the peace giver. Now, if you can think about, um, and to kind of 
give you an example. Um, the way the world thinks of peace is when you have peace, you have no war. And if you have war, you have no peace. When there is conflict, you have no peace. And when you have peace, there is no conflict. Okay, that is a general mind state that humans seem to have in relation to the term peace. Okay, but peace is not something circumstantial. It is something relational, which takes this in a totally different place than most people are used to comprehending the term peace. Um, Let's see here. Uh, In John 14, 27, that was one of the verses. That verse says, peace I give you, peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, give I to you. Okay, so if you are used to getting peace in a difficult time, in a sad circumstance, in a scary moment, or whatever you want to find yourself in, if you are used to the Lord and trying to get him to be peace to you in that level, you're not relating to him as Jehovah Shalom. Because he doesn't give peace like the world gives peace. The world gives peace by going, there, there, let's make it all happy. Let's get you relaxed. Put some cucumbers on your eyes or something to de-stress. That's peace. Okay? But think of Jesus when he was in the boat in the storm with the disciples. And what did he say in order to calm the storm? He said, peace, be still. Okay? But He wasn't trying to fix their circumstances. Afterwards, he went to his disciples and was like, all right, folks, you got to be with me. It's not about fixing and calming circumstances. You need to know that you're with me, that we're together in this. We are one. And that boat was not going to sink because God's son is not going to sink in a storm. Okay, so he wanted to draw them in to comprehend that they're in a relationship, that he is bringing them into a union. And that has nothing to do with him always just being the peace giver. All right. So he does not give peace like the world gives peace. And if you're used to relating to him as peace. This may be a really dumb example, but this is the only way that the Lord gave me. Um. Peace, we treat peace like as if instead of a salt shaker, we have a peace shaker, okay? And inside of it is peace. And when we need peace, we shake it in the situation and go, oh, much better, okay? And we expect him to be have a peace shaker and just shake it on a circumstance and go, oh, okay, I have peace now. And Christians pray. They pray, oh, God, give me peace. I'm really freaked out. My husband lost his job. And, ah, oh, okay, huh? Oh, peace. But God is not this big peace shaker. I know that's kind of silly, but that's kind of how people treat the Lord in relation to peace. They want him to sprinkle some peace on some situation. And that somehow makes it better. And that is totally making void everything that God did. Now, let's go to those scriptures that uh, Josiah commented on when... uh, They were being read in Ephesians. That was letter B. Ephesians 2. Let's look at this because these scriptures say some good stuff here as to the truth of 
The Lord is our peace. He's not just the peace giver. He's not the peace shaker. Okay? Uh, Ephesians 2, and I'll read them again. Verse 14. Uh, Well, let's just start with... uh, Let's start with 11, okay? Because this shows that this is talking about union and a relationship of oneness to have true peace. Okay, we'll start with Ephesians 2 and 11. It says, Wherefore remember ye, being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who were called on circumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. Again, no union in this yet. Um, Having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were once afar off are made near by the blood of Jesus Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both one and broken down the middle wall of partition, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances to make in himself of two one new man, so making peace, that and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you who are far off and to them who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Okay, if that don't say it, I don't know what else does. So the whole reason he is our peace that it says in verse 14 is because he's made something that was two, now one. Okay, and if you are relating to him as separate, saying, I want the peace shaker in my hard circumstances, and you are relating that, then he's not being Jehovah Shalom. You are just asking and petitioning something of him that is temporal. I'm not condemning that. I'm not saying there's something just terribly sinful about that. I am trying to distinguish here. We're talking about somebody who is our peace, not something that you can obtain in a difficult time. Okay? Um, Because we want to know God as Jehovah Shalom. So for him being Jehovah Shalom... He has broken down the middle wall of partition. He abolished in the flesh all the enmity. Okay? He took it all in himself, and he made two, one new man. Then it says, so, making peace. So, the way that you have true peace and that you are in right relation with Jehovah Shalom is by being in union with him and relating to him that he has abolished the old And that he is now being able to make peace. So him being able to make peace and him being peace is found in oneness, in union with him. It's not found in him handing out something that helps a temporal circumstance. Okay? Am I clear in helping to start make this distinction? Okay. Again, there's nothing wrong with petitioning and asking for help in time of need. He is our father. But I'm saying here, if we want to know Jehovah Shalom, if we want to know truly and have a relationship with the Lord, our peace, then this is how we know him. We don't know him by getting in a hard circumstance. Because eventually, when all this is wrapped up like a scroll, there's not going to be any hard circumstances. And is he still going to be Jehovah Shalom? Yes. 
So if we're going to know him as Jehovah Shalom, we don't find that relationship simply in a difficult circumstance and him granting help. Okay? Um, Let's see here. Um, The scripture in Isaiah 26.3. That one... The scriptures are just so good. <laughs> Isaiah 26, 3, um, it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Okay, so our minds can go a lot of different places. And especially when we're in a difficult circumstance, they go haywire. Yes? Um, like the disciples in the boat. Ah! Their mind was not stayed on him. Therefore, they were not found in perfect peace. Okay? We all seem to find ourselves in that way. But the point is, we can come into a union relationship and know him and relate to him, not as the peace salt shaker, but as the peace who is. And one of the ways that the scriptures declare that that happens is by keeping your mind on him how easy it is for me i know for all of us to put our mind somewhere else just like that and there it goes you know it's amazing what information will do to our mind to get us to not be stayed on him isn't it you can be let's say you know me and jennifer We are just buddy, buddy, buddy. And then I find out she did something 10 years ago. I can't be her friend now. You know, gee, the cross may have already dealt with it. She may have already repented. But, you know, that information just did something to me. And now I cannot be at peace with her. Okay? It's weird what our minds are capable of doing and taking us places that they should not go. If you want to maintain That relationship that gives perfect peace, not temporal salt shaker peace, you have to help put your mind on him and not let it go other places. Because every other place does not have perfect peace. Okay? So, does that make sense, that kind of example there? Just simply information. Information that actually may have already been settled. I might find out something. There went perfect peace. Okay, so how much greater in the Lord what he declares of you, what he says in the scriptures, what is true, and that you are coming in to be embracing and dwelling in and living by, it requires a mind that is stayed on him. Okay, that's very important because otherwise you can acknowledge all these things and say, oh yeah, he he slayed the enmity and he did away with it and he abolished it. But you know what? If your mind is going, well, you, you know, you did this, and I can't believe you did that, and she did this, and well, he said that, you know, what's the point? You know, what is the point? The point is that this has to be relational, okay? This is something that you are living and breathing in. So in order to do that, your mind actually has to be brought under control, And what it has to be brought under control is his government. Now, let's look at the scriptures that said, uh, talked about his government that we read. Okay, let's see here. Um, Colossians 3.15 was one of the scriptures. 
Colossians 3.15, it says, And let the peace of God, let, okay, here we go, allow, let, enable, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Okay, so there is an allowing that you have to give and permit for the peace of God to, to have that kind of government in your heart, okay? So the government starts coming in. Your heart begins to be stabilized, and it then can be strong enough to say, hey, mind, shut up, <laughs> you know, and get control of the mind so that it can stay on him and be in this relationship of him being peace, not just the peace giver. Um, there was, let's see, which other scripture was it? Um, the one in Psalm 119 also. I love it because all this just says, it covers all the angles, and I'm very thankful because the word of God, we need to be covered on every angle. We'll find a way out or around something. I will. <laughs> Let's see here. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they who love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Ooh. That's different. So, I find out something Jennifer did 10 years ago. I can get offended to high heaven, or I can stay in relationship with the Lord, who is my peace, and allow my mind to stay in control, and not then get offended by something. The earth will always offend you. Somebody, something, somewhere, sometime will offend you. That's a guarantee. (laughs) I don't have to predict it. I'm not a future teller. I can just tell you that is the case, okay? But embracing the truth, David was saying here, Great peace have they who love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. The only way you're going to be loving his law and having that government there is if you're in a right relationship with him. Therefore, everything trickles down, and nothing is getting you all riled up and offending you. So then it flows, because it says, uh, like in Colossians 3.15, that we are one body. It's actually flowing one to another. When we are in relationship with Jehovah Shalom, him being our peace, it actually then flows through us one to another, causing things to not be offensive. And we can cover one another, and we can let the life of Christ then flow through us, because we are embracing his government and not letting something else rule and govern us and getting reactions and our mind then going on other things. So how important it is, you know, I mean, I think most people, because they simply hear the word Jehovah Shalom and they go, oh, the Lord is my peace, but they interpret it as, oh, he's my peace giver when I need some, you know, peace in a hard time, have no clue that this is so huge that if we begin having a relationship with him who is our peace and allowing that government and that relationship to rule in our hearts, it will actually start affecting others. And when something, when a brother stumbles or or is going through something, we don't need to let our, our mind won't go somewhere that it shouldn't. And we won't be offended at something that we shouldn't because we are having the true peace that is beyond circumstances actually flow one to another. And therefore, life covers any fault and any lack. How cool is that? That is way bigger than just getting some happy times in a bad circumstance. Way bigger. 
Okay. Um, let's see here. Okay. Where did that scripture go? Which one is that? I think it's Matthew 10. Let me look real quick. I think it's Matthew 10. Okay. Matthew 10, 34. And it says, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. What do you do with that? <laughs> Anyone have any thoughts on what do you do with that? Has that always bugged you that it says that and what it goes on to discuss in that chapter? Anyone have any thoughts on that? <laughs> Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Jehovah Shalom said he didn't come to give peace on earth. Matthew 10, 34. This is not one of your verses on the paper. Um, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, the way he is being peace, the way he is being peace is by bringing a sword. He is dividing it. He is cutting it off, just like it said in Ephesians where it's talking about slaying the enmity. This, again, is what he's talking about. He's saying, I don't want anything but a true is by bringing relation a sword. He is relationship with you and you to flow in relationship with one another in that same way. I will not have you relating in this way. I am not coming to make your lives happy. I am coming to give you true life. And true life is found in me, and therefore I did not come to bring you peace on earth. I came to be the peace that brings a sword in the earth. So it starts cutting away in the scriptures. It says, For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and daughter against mother, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Well, good grief. What kind of peace guy is this? You know, I mean, I don't know what you guys have always thought of all this, but, you know, and then look in, and then it goes right into it, and, and it says, um, He that taketh not his cross and falleth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. He wants us to be brought into a true union with him. Okay, and not just on the topic of Jehovah Shalom in every way. He is working to bring us in to a right relationship with him, not one that's in the earth. He is not wanting to bring anything into the earth except a sword. He is not wanting to do anything in your earth except divide away that which actually is enmity against him so that union can be the relationship that you have with him and with each other because that is how we are one body. Okay. Um, 
I wrote here, he is peace by oneness and union. A sword is brought so that his oneness is what holds everything together. A sword cuts and divides everything that's separate. So if it's if it's not one with, it's going to be brought to the sword. Um, I wrote some more here. Christians try to get peace brought into an unpeaceful situation, but that's not why he is peace. He didn't come as peace for that reason. Are you praying to get him to be peace while being separate from him? Are your prayers motivated by circumstances instead of oneness? He's just wanting to bring us into something greater and something higher. He is not ever, and I am not saying, if there is no condemnation in praying for help in a time of need because the Lord says, come and ask for prayer and help in time of need. But what is the motivation? Where is the place you are being motivated from? Are you allowing circumstances to motivate you? Or are you being motivated by the fact that you are one with him and he can be brought into that life-breathing peace reality into a circumstance? Or are you just wanting some salt shaker peace brought in in a temporary way? He wants us to be relating and motivated and praying by this relationship, not by being moved by every circumstance that comes along that needs some kind of prayer. And unfortunately, most of the time, Christians are just praying out of a temporal, circumstantial relationship. Yes? They are wanting to try and get God to fix something rather than saying, Man, I am with you. I'm with you whether this fixes itself or not. But I know that you are my peace. And I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to stay in perfect peace because I am maintaining that my mind stay on you. And I am maintaining that that flow one to another. And I'm not going to be offended by things in the earth one to another. And I'm going to have this relationship freely working through me by your life as my peace. Therefore, we can stay at perfect peace. There's no other way to be at perfect peace. You may have moments of relaxation, but there's never going to be a perfect peace unless we are being stayed on him and his government is ruling in this way. So consider how you pray. You know, it's, it's not... He, he's okay to answer prayers because he is a good father and he does do that. But he wants to be the one that on the earth, not bring peace, but a sword. So that oneness can be truly the thing that keeps us all bound together. Not just here, but here. Okay? Because that's what it says in this um, scripture. The peace of God is to rule our hearts as one body. In Colossians 3.15, he wants it to, to be a relational thing, not just us and him, but to it so that it can flow one to another. Um, I mean, and John 15 is huge, and we all are pretty familiar with that, but the word over and over and over again that keeps being consistent there is abide. Abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in me. And the way that abiding takes place in relation to Jehovah Shalom is by, one, keeping your mind on him, knowing that he's not just going to give you peace, but he's going to be that for you. And that can flow one to another. Um, Let's see here. 
Um, I think that is about all that I felt from the Lord to share in relation to this. Now, I know that there's a lot of other things that this lesson covers, and you really need to look at it in relation to Gideon and things that are going on there that the Lord um, gives as examples so that we can learn and grow by. Um, But know that the whole reason he came and the whole the entire way that he actually is peace is by being something that divides off everything that's not in union with him. If it's not in union with him, it will face a sword. If it is in union with him, it will have a relationship of peace, of one that if you're found on a boat and the boat is seemingly sinking in the middle of a storm, it's okay. It's okay. And... That doesn't make logical sense to us because in the natural we react. Like, I'm stinking, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) That's our natural reaction. But the thing is, there is a way for him to, to be what he wants to be as peace, not just a circumstantial peace giver to us. And all of these things that we're talking about, all of these names are, are just meant so that we have a, a, a more full relationship with him, not so that we figure out, oh, well, I know this terminology, and I can tell you about this scripture. It's about having a better and more full relationship with him. That's what he's after. That's what he cares about. He doesn't care, in that sense, about fixing the earth, because the earth will, you know, be done away with. And, you know, it's, it's temporal to him, so it kind of really is indifferent to him. What matters and what's important to his heart is relationship. And so throughout this entire class, but specifically this, I just saw over and over, it is all about relationship. It's all about oneness. And you will never have any comprehension of Jehovah Shalom unless you are are opening your heart to this kind of relationship of oneness and realizing, you know, I have only related to him as the peace giver and not my peace and if that's the case then that's the case but let the lord show you he can be something to you not just give you something he'll give it to you but he wants to be something to you and that's so precious that's something that's from his heart that's what really stirs and motivates him not just you know something that he is capable and powerful enough to do so um does anyone have any comments or anything they'd like to share or anything. (laughs) And the good thing is he's the one that's bringing it and doing it. Because we can't. You are absolutely right. We can't. We can't cut off any of it. But he is, he's the one that says, this is why I've come. And that had... Oh, until the Lord showed me that, I always sat really strange with me. Well, that doesn't sound right. You're come to bring a sword? What the heck? You know? He's come to cut away all that that does not want to be in union with him. And then to form and to nurture everything that is in union with him so that it can grow up into full 
relationship with him of maturity. Does anyone else have anything? Did I cut you off? Did you have something else, Jennifer? It's an oxymoron to say, you know, that the way he is your peace is to bring a sword. (laughs) That's almost like there's irony in that, you know, that there's conflict almost in that. But that is how he can do it. That is how he can slay every part that has enmity against him in our hearts and minds and lives so that it can be completely eradicated so that we can have the freedom to live without all these hindrances that keep us from him because that's what they're doing. They're just keeping us from him. And he knows what takes a sword and he knows how to do it. And he's not just, you know, like a butcher. I mean, he is, he is like a surgeon that knows how to cut through and, and to do it right and not to damage the things that shouldn't be damaged when you're going into a surgery. So we can trust that. We can trust that him bringing a sword isn't like a butcher, but it's someone that is coming in to cut away those things so that everything else can flourish in union with him. Anyone else have anything? Did you have something, Amber? Um, Let's go ahead and pray. Does anyone have it on their heart to pray and close?